0: Welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling. Every week, I speak with a different woman leader about her journey so we can all be inspired and empowered by our mutual stories. If you like our show, I'd like to invite you to listen to another podcast we just started producing at The Brandis Female. It's called Everyday Ubuntu by the inspiring Mungi Ngomane, author and human rights activist. Her guests are personalities from different backgrounds who believe in our common humanity and who are helping make our world a better place. Look for Everyday Ubuntu on the podcast platform of your choice and hit subscribe. This week, my guest is Sage Paul, founding member and creative director of Toronto's Indigenous Fashion Week. Sage is an urban Denissouliné Seque, based in Toronto and a member of English River First Nation, an award-winning artist and designer, as well as a recognized leader of Indigenous fashion, craft and textiles. Her work centers around family, sovereignty, and resistance for balance. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsor. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, the Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship opportunities. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help.
1: When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a surgeon. (laughs) <laughs> Everything. Um, it was, you know, it was the early '90s, and they had on um, uh, the Learning Channel. There were often ER, um, like surgery shows, that were much more realistic oh, yeah. than they are today. So I was mm-hmm. really into that. Um, and I don't know the connections, like there's still sewing in the <laughs> surgery. And so, right. right. So maybe I just felt like, Hey, I can do that because I knew I, I, I started sewing and, and doing a lot of beadwork and craft when I was quite young. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think I always knew that I would be doing working with my hands since I was very young. Mm.
0: So what took you to fashion specifically? When did you make the shift to, it wasn't going to be, you know, medicine and, and surgery, it was going to be fashion. <laughs> when did that happen?
1: Um, again, it's just fashion is just something I've been, I've been creating all my life as a teenager. Mm. Um, I really didn't enjoy high school and and it was very challenging to get through, um, though I succeeded and I I did very well in high school. I still just, I just didn't enjoy it, but sewing and designing, I was always doing even outside of school. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think when the time came to actually decide what do I do now, I'm done high school. I have to make these decisions for myself now. Um, I just decided to go to fashion school just seemed like that was the next step to take. There was never a moment of this is what I'm doing with my life. It was more of like, this Mm. is who I am. More organic. Yeah, very organic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, a career in fashion in Canada is, can be tricky. There's a, you know, there's there's not that many opportunities. It can be challenging. Um, Did you at any point kind of envision what the options would be? Was it, you know, a little scary to think that becoming a designer, for example, might not be a, an easy way to earn a living just after school? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I didn't really understand what the opportunities were for me as as a designer mm. and someone who was interested in design. And I really didn't understand the inner workings and the infrastructure of the fashion industry. Um, So I just really focused on creating and and creating work and just continuing to work within my community, the Indigenous community, where um, many of my peers, if not most or all of my peers, are creating craft that are specifically representative of our culture. And these are things that were passed down Mm -hmm. to us by our grandparents or our parents. Um, So... um, yeah, it was it was very scary to think about what am I going to do, and it wasn't until I was finishing school and I started working at an Indigenous film festival called Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival, where I really started to understand how my world and my culture and my worldview growing up um, was able to link or be a part of fashion in a way that allowed me to carry it forward as a career Um, so I I was no longer looking so narrowly at the fashion industry where it's like I have to add x amount of money to and this many connections in order to create a collection that's going to be successful I, I saw that there are other avenues to do the work that I love and and do my best to to make it a successful space for me to work in.
0: Um, were there women, uh, in, it could be in the fashion industry, could be in, in doing from a different world or, or in, from any background, uh, who inspired you women leaders you looked up to and kind of, you know, were, were, uh, something like role models for you.
1: So many, um, I always look up to women in my community, um, elders, And, you know, I grew up with a lot of really strong women in my life and the community I grew Mm. up in, um, it was housing. So there was uh, city housing. So there was a lot of young kids, but it was all the mothers who worked to build a sense of community so that we always had a space to learn where we come from, to keep us engaged in the community so that we were keeping active and and learning. Um, And then... Again, when I was working at Imaginative, there was mm-hmm. just a really strong group of indigenous women um, that I found it was very empowering to see them. They looked like me and and to see them doing work that they really loved. And the amount of generosity they had in teaching me how to had how to also, mm-hmm. I guess, embody that kind of um, empowerment in the work that I want to do so I definitely would be like aunties and my mom and all of my friends moms I really I I take a lot of care to listen and learn and and see how how can I apply those really great values they have to to my life I don't just it's not just one person (laughs) I wish I, I did but I've just had so many people come in and out of my life and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah.
0: So tell me about creating Toronto's Indigenous Fashion Week and about how your first edition came together.
1: Yeah, it is. It was very challenging. So for me, um, I did after I was working at Imaginative, I just went and created my own collection and invited members of my community and invited other jewelry designers to create a collection with me. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2012. And I invited dancers to be a part of it. I invited some musicians that I knew to help build the music and create a show at Harborfront center. And so that's when I really started seeing fashion more as something that is inclusive of my community, of my peers, of artists in different mediums, and how they can be a part of growing this with me. Um, So as I saw that, I began to work with other Indigenous women who were also creating work in the same way I was. And eventually, I just wanted to be able to not only just create work with them, but be able to be on a platform where we can share our work and present our work um, in a way that wasn't strictly confined yeah. by the commercial aspects of a typical runway show. and especially like these days, like a runway show is almost obsolete if you're only doing it for commercial purposes. So um I think it was really um, exciting for us to be able to see fashion as an artistic mm-hmm. presentation and bring people together to, witness and experience that expression um but also have the opportunity to purchase the Mm -hmm. clothing and to meet the designers and help to broaden people's understanding of what indigenous fashion is um by us we've created this as opposed to Mm -hmm. you know having um, one special spotlight in a fashion week every now and then it was a space that is is all year round because indigenous designers are creating all year round like all other designers
0: and I want to talk about the, you know, the the movement that uh, Indigenous Toronto's Indigenous Fashion Week has become. Also, because we know, and this has been a kind of a, you know, a topic that's been a little bit more covered recently, as you know, part of the discussion around uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, which extended to BIPOC representation overall. And we know that there's uh, there's less representation in fashion for BIPOC designers in Canada. It's true elsewhere as well, but. If we talk about Canada and uh, including Indigenous designers, so what still needs to change? And I think you know the movement you've created is certainly a step in the right direction. But we know that representation needs to continue to uh, increase. I also know you've been involved with a project involvement, involving uh, Canadian retailer Simon's, uh, which uh, you know produce a collection in partnership with Indigenous designers. So, what are next steps to make this true representation representation possible, and how do we get there?
1: I don't think the answer is um, very easy, and uh, we are definitely mm-hmm. going in. The right direction, and I'm I'm never sure if we are ever going to get there um, because the fashion industry can be very competitive, and um, it, it is really based around capitalism, um, which would put us in a position where people are solely out there to be the top and make the most money. Um, but I, I that movement of creating more diversity in the industry is very important. And the way to get there, or I think more actually thinking about how we can get there or the things that we can do to get there is more about having people in the industry, the mainstream industry, um, be aware of what other communities are working on. Um, you, the fashion industry is is known for having originated in Western Europe in the 1400s, purely based on capitalism to dress monarchies and aristocrats, mm-hmm. and um, that's how our idea of fashion has come forward. And the crazy thing is, is that fashion has been around the happening around the world since all of us have been in existence you know our families and our ancestors have all been creating fashion and it's based we have to
0: dress ourselves Right, we
1: have to dress ourselves (laughs) and just because fashion in um, other cultures are not changing as quickly uh, because it's not based on a capitalistic system it's based on um what we want to wear that represent expression of ourselves expression of our culture um, and just because clothes are are really awesome and fun, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that has been happening for a very long time. So I think coming back to today and what can the industry do, I think is to really look to other communities and other cultures and see how we're doing the work. Um, There is the idea of waiting to be welcomed to see the our table, you know, at the business Mm -hmm. fashion table or the black people's uh, fashion table and, uh, you know, really look at, how is that work being done by all these other communities? And then once we're there, um, I think it's a really great opportunity to not do things one way or another, but how, to think mm-hmm. about how we can work together and really do that in a meaningful way that um, you know, we're gonna have to change things in the mainstream fashion industry. I don't think the the wholesale, set up right now it's not supportive of local designers we just we can't yeah. sustain our industry and our e- economy we've already seen that you know a, a pandemic just completely crashed the fashion industry and um yeah. it's because that system is built up in a very specific um narrow way um, whereas if mm-hmm. we, i think if um retailers were supporting local and putting prices at a range that is more supportive of a local way of working, like Indigenous communities, like, you, you know, we're creating so much work here, then maybe there wouldn't have been such a huge crash. So I think it really is looking at systems and how we are operating mm-hmm. our systems and our fashion systems and uh, diverse communities, like my community, um, are doing work like that. So... I could go on and on and (laughs) think about like how else can we make sure that this representation is is there? But uh, yeah, that's that's a start.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's yeah. And you brought up the pandemic, and of course, we saw that COVID had you know major negative impact on uh, kind of the entire retail industry, uh, manufacturing as well, and you know all these things are connected. Obviously, Um, do you think and what's great is that we have been having more conversations about the issues with the current system as a result of what happened during COVID. Do you think that consumer mindset is is changing? You know, we talk about, I've referred to in recent interviews about kind of that rise in global consciousness when, you know, we're finally having more discussions about sustainability and how our fashion industry is not sustainable enough. And then COVID kind of you know, put a spotlight on on those limits. Do you think we're going to see lasting change or these are just conversations that we're having now and we're going to forget about them?
1: I hope that it is going to be lasting change. Um, Consumers are one part of that equation. We do see consumers who are shifting their understanding and the way that they're purchasing and the way that they want to consume goods and the way they want to see these, the um, fashion. Um, But Mm. they, like I said, they are only one part of this equation of like making sure these types of movements that they're called are sustainable. And uh, how, how do we do that? Um, I think, you know, it's one thing to ask that consumers know what they're purchasing and why you know, it's more economical too, to purchase, you know, a a more expensive pair of shoes as opposed to purchasing cheap shoes multiple times a year. Mm -hmm. And I I know that's an accessibility thing. And, but then that comes down to like how it's more multifaceted than just the consumer. So we put in like ways of working with our retailers and working with the government and making sure that this is an ecosystem within the fashion industry that supports all sides of the fashion Mm -hmm. industry from, wholesalers, manufacturers, retailers, consumers, the mark- marketing, all this, like the creators, everything. And um, what? how do we implement or enforce um, various systems to ensure that, you know, um, the sustainability aspect or the growth of our economy or the support of um, many different types of people um, is not just a trend, that we continue mm-hmm. to do that and we see that as important. So, you know um, yeah I just think it definitely needs to change on all sides although I do think there are young generations the younger generations and that are, are coming up who are very very aware of this and they are seeing mm-hmm. the how they are living in this earth on this earth and the way that is impacting them you mm-hmm. know they are born into seeing the state of the world like this where they've yeah. never seen a world where you know the ozone layer was only had a small hole in it <laughs> that's when I was born and Mm -hmm. now it's like massive. So um, yeah, I think younger generations also will help to create a more sustainable um, fashion system.
0: And they have a sense of urgency that maybe we haven't had because it's a bit like the the frog in boiling water where, you know, we, as you say, we remember a time when there wasn't (laughs) such an issue and they, they were born into a time where it's like, we got to act now or there's no future for us.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah
0: scary. <laughs> no, it yeah, no it is scary. So, um and you're absolutely right in pointing out that consumers are just part of of this ecosystem. Um, but for consumers who are trying to, you know, make a difference, uh make responsible uh purchases when it comes to fashion, what would be your advice? Like what's a good way of consuming, you know, in in a manner that supports representation inclusion sustainability what would be your advice for for all of us as we're you know buying things
1: Uh, my number one thing even for myself is to know where my garments are coming from so i want to know my designer not my designer i want to know the designer who created the clothes that i want to wear and i want to know how they made it i want to know where the idea came from and once you start to learn that backstory of the garment that you're about to wear, it just gives so much more meaning to it. And you really are able to start making more informed decisions on what you choose to wear um, and where it comes from. So I think just find like asking questions and taking the initiative to inform oneself about where the clothing comes from um, mm-hmm. is, is one very easy step to take. Um, and there's are some, you know, it's hard when you're online and it's a like a department store, like being able to ask those questions. And hey, like if those department stores aren't able to answer those questions, I mean, Instagram is uh, in, the, in the palm of your hand. Google yeah, envision fashion, Google mm-hmm. fashion above 30. You could, there's so many hashtags to be able to look at other fashion and people are going to are telling those stories on all social media like there is really no reason for us not to know where things are coming from and not to make an informed decision about it
0: yeah exactly google has all the answers between google and instagram this this can be figured out
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching and mentorship opportunities. And they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. I mentioned the initiative that you led with Simons, which I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about. And I want to ask you too, because a lot of our listeners, you know, are entrepreneurs. Some of them are, are in the fashion industry. So for um, anyone who operates a brand or you know a retail chain, even just a boutique, what are some ways that they can uh, be proactive in allowing for you know more representation of indigenous designers, black designers, just representation in general? Um, even, you know, sustainable brands. Um, And I think the Simon's model was very interesting at how, um, you know, how they approached it and really gave concrete opportunities to these designers that were involved in it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it was a really, it was a great collaboration and, and very successful. We were very, very happy with, the response to it, consumers were very excited. Of course, our community, indigenous community was very, very excited about it. And so I guess it's more about looking at how these collaborations play out. And Mm -hmm. the collaboration was between Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto and Simon's The Department Store. And I happened to be on a panel discussion with OCN who is the buyer there at at Simon's and we both shared very similar values and, and what we wanted to see in Canadian fashion. Going into that partnership, uh, we led IFWTO, Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto, led that partnership because working with a large retailer like that I think especially for a, de- a designer an emerging designer a small boutique a small business um, you are it's a huge company and you can I can often feel like you just have to say yes to everything okay they do it this way oh I'm gonna do it that way then um, meanwhile mm-hmm. uh, many small businesses and entrepreneurs are working with a team of one or a team of you know very few and um, the way that retailers are set up just, are not set up to support businesses of that size. So it was very, very important for Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto to um, lead that relationship and lead that collaboration to ensure that we were addressing those things that needed to be addressed, that the marketing, the representation, was purely based on how Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto wants to be represented and also how the designers wanted to be represented to make sure that they are able to design whatever they wanted to design. It wasn't like we asked them to do something stereotypically Indigenous. It was about creating this platform and, and an economic, uh, a financial business opportunity mm-hmm. for them um, and hopefully start a relationship with them. And so there was a lot of conversations around, okay, how do we, sh- how are we reciprocal in what this relationship is? Because of course there are elements that the designers do kind of have to follow with Simons in the way that they do things, because that's the way their system is set up. But of course there was ways where Simons would also have to uh, reciprocate that and um, work in the way that the designers work. So. I think mm-hmm. when looking at partnerships like that, um, it's very, very important to question how one works and how their partner works and how can we bring both mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. models together to, so it can be successful. So everybody feels that sense of pride at the end of that project. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of, that was the big thing for us in making sure that that project was successful. And um, I think it was, <laughs> I was, yeah. yeah, well, oh, I mean, yeah. congratulations. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, and I think it launched like just before COVID or just at the start. Of just COVID? at the
1: start of COVID, and yeah. we were like, <laughs> kind of like, oh my god, we're gonna do this because we had it at. I it was going to coincide with the launch of Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto, which got postponed, which is now going online. Right. Um, but so yeah. i was like, "Hey, let's just launch it," and um, especially in that time, it's so hard to know what that response was, but it was. Mm -hmm. pleasantly positive.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. No. And it's, I think you really set kind of a new model because for any small designer, as you said, uh, working with a a chain can be daunting Mm -hmm. uh, just because there's so many rules and restrictions. And as you say, they often ask for a lot and it's hard Mm -hmm. to say no when you're, when you're the small guy. Um, And it's interesting because now there's so many direct to consumer opportunities. So for a lot of designers, they can totally bypass the larger chain uh, retail model because they're able to sell to consumers directly or through a smaller outlet. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting to see that there is a large chain that's open to doing things differently, basically. gives me hope.
1: Yeah, I I feel like many other large chains, department stores, um, are probably going to start looking at, at different models to support their local designers. I think it'll be be very important, actually, that we do that. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. So going in a slightly different direction, if you were not working in fashion, what would you be doing?
1: (laughs) Uh, um, I don't know. (laughs) What would I be doing? I have no idea. I don't even have the skills to do anything else. No. I don't even have my driver's <laughs> license.
0: <laughs> so something something creative, something, I take it. Yes,
1: definitely something creative, mm-hmm. something um, community-based. Some, I really just love working with people and um, mm-hmm. building ideas with people. I just really love thinking, of, like, hey, this is a really cool idea. Let's go and build this, like, big show or knows what it is -hmm. but yeah I really love bringing to life fun ideas with uh, people that I love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: um and tell me about your definition for success and if I had asked you the same question 10 years ago would the answer have been the same
1: 10 years ago my definition of success is um being happy and and living with some sense of balance, (laughs) being able to take care of myself. Um, And that is very difficult to do in fashion. The fashion industry is like not set up to um, uh, bring in a lot of money unless you are are already within that world um, and uh, financially Mm -hmm. well off. So um, for me, it is about happiness and balance and being able to take care of myself. That's when I feel mm-hmm. successful, and oh, also oh man, there's so many pointers of success. I think when I see my peers who are doing very well, that makes me f- like feel like okay, this it's successful. Especially with a platform like Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto, like that that vision and that goal is to basically serve Indigenous designers. So if, if I see Indigenous designers thriving and continuing to create work. And I feel like I've done, um, I've been successful at at my job. Mm -hmm. Um, Ten years ago, success (laughs) would have been able to pay the rent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, um, I I feel like I've grown a lot in ten years. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think success would have just been a lot more smaller scale in terms of really just understanding me and myself in my life as opposed to the scale of the impact of the work that we do in the industry it's not just about me it's about um a whole bunch of communities all of us are a part Mm -hmm. of this and all of our communities are a part of this
0: Mm -hmm. and what does leadership mean to you
1: Mm. oh leadership is so hard um I think it's important to be able to help guide in the right direction. Um, and if people don't feel like they have a leader in a good way, if people feel like they are the ones that got all got us there, then I think one is a good leader because everyone should mm-hmm. play a part in helping us guide that way. There's just got to be that one, not well, one, sometimes it's collective of people who help bring, lead us in the right way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what leadership is
0: how do you empower women and you've talked about you know supporting your community you i know you do some of it through indigenous fashion week but how do you approach women empowerment overall in your life
1: i i am a woman so <laughs> for me it's always <laughs> been really important to be able to see my peers um and women is and women succeed. Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto is really is based on that. There's in you know it was our grandmas who taught us this work, and it's so important to acknowledge and and honor that work and that knowledge that has been passed on. So, for me to be able to recognize that and support younger women, for me that is very very important. Um, personally, I, you know I always want to be able to help like my little sister. And I, I always just want to see her succeed. And I really try to treat, and I do treat everyone I work with and young women and women in general, like um, just be generous with my, with my time and my care and um, make sure that I, I, I always want to be able to offer as much as I can to, to see them feel strength and confidence in whatever they're working on
0: my favorite question to ask my guests on the show. Um, what do you wish women would do more of?
1: Oh, what do I wish women would do more of? Ooh, oh my gosh. That is a fun question. I'm like, there's one side where I'm like, don't take shit. Like, like, don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. That's I said, good advice. Can I? <laughs> yeah, but oh yeah, like, you can say shit I'll on the show. <laughs> But it's true. Just like you know, someone says no, you can find a way to make it work. There's so many I can, and also be good to each other. Women and women um, working together. There's so there's been this idea of, and people see it all the time. You see so many memes about you know not taking your sisters down, and it's true. It's like mm-hmm. if we are supporting each other, we are all going to be successful. We're only as strong as our weakest link. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, and in closing, what would be your advice to a young woman who wants to start a career in fashion?
1: Listen and learn and be ready to fail. It's going to take a long time. Um, I, you know, I've really been working at this, um, for a decade but I've been working on my career probably like all my life, but professionally, you know, I, I started, I finished school in 2007, 2006, 2006 fashion school. And only now am I really feeling like I'm at a place where I am a part of the industry, but mm-hmm. <laughs> 2000. So what is that? 13 years. Yeah. 13 and years. you know, I've, I think it's really important to listen, learn, Surround yourself with really great role models who support you and your vision, um, who can also provide you with um, advice. And uh, like I said, don't be afraid to fail, and don't—no need to feel. Um, um, the constructive feedback is not bad. It's actually really great. Um, take mm. that with a big open heart and, and mm-hmm. keep on trying all the time. To. Do the best at at whatever it is that you want to do in fashion. There's lots of jobs in fashion.
0: (laughs) Actually, I lied. I have one more question. (laughs) Um, What's next for you and for uh, Toronto's Indigenous Fashion Week? So I know you've got the virtual edition happening soon. Mm -hmm.
1: We are launching our virtual edition on November 26th to 29th at ifwtoronto.com. Uh, so that's the immediate thing that's coming up. We're going to have a series of fashion films and a marketplace and a full series of panels where people can come learn about fashion through the Indigenous perspective. Um, we're also working with Nui Blanche. So we'll have a little bit of a preview of our fashion films at Nui Blanche this coming fall. Um, and then we'll be working on another project with them for next year, uh, which will hopefully be in person. Um <laughs> Fingers crossed. crossed. Yes, yeah, so those are the the big, major kind of confirmed projects, and um, uh, always working with community to to see how how can we continue to build on this really beautiful platform that has been created. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I I look forward to seeing the virtual edition. Super exciting. And thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Eva. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate and give us a review. Five stars would be appreciated. Thank you to TD Bank Group Web Entrepreneurs for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest.